Hey everybody, hope everybody's doing well. Um, glad you're tuning in, whoever's turning in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is, uh, is that you are listening. Um, I wonder if anybody listens like way late at night, midnight, one or two in the morning. I guess it depends on if you find yourself not being able to sleep. Of course, listen to me might put you to sleep, so, you know, it's one of those things. Um, but that's okay. I don't mind if I get to help put you to sleep too. Hey, that's a good thing, right? That's almost like helping with, uh, meditation or something. I don't know, right? Whatever I can help you do in your recovery, I am willing to do. And if that means you got to tune in the wee hours of the morning to help you fall asleep, <laughs> I am okay with that. But turn it back, tune back in later when you're awake, right? Because you might miss something. You might miss something. And I definitely don't want that to happen, right? Definitely don't want that to happen. Today's been a good day. I had a group with some adolescents today, right? That's always tough. We got a group of, uh, you know, I say adolescents. They, we are, they are adolescents, but um, they're all guys, right? They're all guys. Uh, there's uh, 10 in the class. And uh, they're all doing what I was doing at that age. What you guys, whoever's listening, was doing at that age. Trying to find your place on the planet, right? And unfortunately, there's things that come up in that attempt to find your place in this huge, huge world. You come from horrible backgrounds, you know, uh, dysfunctional families. Um, of course, you know, it's my favorite topic, uh, addiction and family dysfunction. Right. Um, if you come from that sort of thing, being a teenager is probably rough. Being a teenager is rough anyway. But when you've got those obstacles to overcome, um, you might be tuning into what I'm talking about 10 years from now. Right. Or I might have you uh, uh, or these kids again in, in an addictions training or uh, classroom or something in a decade. Let's hope not. I don't want to wish that upon any of them because they're really good kids. Right, so <coughs> let's get rolling. First of all, don't forget to hit that support button. Anything that you are willing to contribute um, to my podcast really, really, really is a big help. I appreciate you guys, um, no matter what the amount is. Anything and everything helps keep me situated and keep my stuff up to speed. I am grateful for you, and again, I thank you. I thank you in advance. Okay, here we go. Man, oh man, this is the, <coughs> well, I was going to say it's the toughie, but for some people, they can all be hard, right? But this one is where I feel like um, the hardest work begins, right? Step, step nine. And it's crazy because some people in, in AA seem to feel like step nine requires the recovering person to be willing to go to any lengths to make amends. You know, I was always brought up in, in, in the recovery world that uh, just like the step says, and I'll share it in a second, except when to do so would injure or harm them or others, right? You don't want to make a situation worse. You don't want to make a situation worse. But I'll share a little bit about what AA thinks, right? AA is a group therapy program for people suffering from alcoholism. Its core treatment philosophy is based on 
a personal improvement plan that is outlined in 12 specific action steps, which so far we've gone through eight of, right? Step nine of the 12 steps is a call for recovering people. You know, I'll say recovering people because, or persons, because this is an all-inclusive podcast. I want to include everyone who's dealing with any sort of addiction, whether it's alcohol, any sorts of illicit drugs, um, food addiction, sexual addictions, porn addictions, right? All-inclusive, any sort of hurt habit or hang-up is what I want people to get from this podcast, right? So, step nine of the 12 steps is a call for recovering people to make amends. It builds on step eight, which we discovered and talked about in the last podcast, which requires the individual to make a list of everyone he or she has harmed throughout the battle of their addiction or mental health struggles or compulsive behavior issues. Right? All inclusive. It wants you to make a list, and in step eight, all we had to do is become willing. If you remember, we only had to become willing to make amends, right? So here's step nine. Step nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure or harm them or others, right? That's the point. You don't want to make a situation worse, right? So when you're doing step nine, that is the route I would take. And later on in this podcast, I'll get to some of those uh, um, things to consider when uh, doing step nine. But we definitely don't want to make situations worse, right? (coughs) So for my faith-based people, here's its biblical comparison. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. And that's found in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. That's what we'll share um, when we're reading the steps and celebrate recovery. All right. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really good. I love it. This 12-step program has achieved widespread acceptance and forms the basis of AA programs operated by chapters around the world. You can't knock AA, or NA for that matter, and now even celebrate recovery because it's nationwide, right? These meetings have they've helped millions of people. So you really can't knock it, right? You really can't knock it it's helped a lot of people, <clears throat> right? This program's philosophy has been adopted um, for use by other types of addiction recovery programs, like Celebrate Recovery, and there's a few others, um, such as the drug use and excessive gambling group, right? Um, NA uses the same st- 12 steps. I do believe that uh, Gamblers Anonymous um, uses the same steps, right? The mandate to make amends in AA, step nine, is indicative of the program's approach to healing the emotional and spiritual aspects of a person in recovery. That's the whole thing, man, right? 
but it's also there as well to improve the physical and mental side effects of addiction or mental health struggles, right? We're trying to build something that not only like this podcast, all-inclusive, but holistic treatment, holistic treatment. Step nine requires the recovering uh, person to be willing to go to any lengths to make amends. And again, that's tough for me. I mean, any lengths, um, you know, that's what it suggests. I'm going to go with what the actual step says, right? And uh, remember, it's uh, it says accept when to do so would injure them or others because I really don't feel comfortable with going through any lengths if it means making someone else's life worse, bad, you know, making your worse, your life worse, right? Um, that's not the goal. The individual must be willing to take this step no matter how severe the personal consequences. You know, I don't know. I guess it would depend on the legality, legality of something. Right, I guess if you actually shot somebody, that would be one you'd probably want to go turn yourself in, despite what the consequences might be, right? Um, but again, be mindful. Be mindful about making things um, worse, right? If the making amends requires the person to report a past crime, I just mentioned that, he or she must be willing to go to jail. That's tough, right? That's tough. Um, must be willing to go to jail to complete this step on the road to recovery. You know, I'm going to stick with what the step says, except when to do so would injure them or others, right? Uh, um, the them is you. The spiritual aspect of the mandate encourages the recovering individual to seek strength and guidance to do the right thing from a higher power or from God and from um, others that are engaged in the same program, right? AA people lean on each other, NA people lean on each other, and I promise you, all of us that celebrate recovery lean on each other. The way uh, a recovering person transitions into the ninth step is to take the list he or she created, right? We made that list in the previous podcast talking about step eight, right? Take the list he or she created of people that have, that you have harmed, they have harmed, that we did in step eight. Divide the list into four categories, right? So what you did was just put names down. Some you probably hurt worse than others. Some it may have been um, a, 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 a situation where you people hurt each other, right? So we're going to look at categories as we go, right? These categories determine the way the person approaches the process of making these amends, okay? Here we go. The first category should include all the people to whom the person can make full amends as soon as he or she is sober. You know, coming from um, an addictions counselor sort of frame of thinking and having also personal experience in those realms, I don't know if it means make full amends as soon as he or she is sober, 
But, um, man, you were still so raw. Still so raw in those first few months, six months to a year. You know, you may even want to be careful if that's something that you want to do. Be careful that it doesn't put you into relapse thinking, right? Because, you know, relapse can happen way before you actually pick up. Um, so be mindful of that. The second category should include those people to whom the person will make partial amends because full um, rest uh, situation would cause more harm than good. So there we go. In this particular statement that I'm reading, it talks about that, right? To make partial amends because full restitution would cause more harm than good, right? Third category should include the people who should not be contacted until full or certain recovery has been achieved. I was just saying that, right? There are going to be some people that you're going to have to be stronger when you go to approach them, right? Maybe two, three years clean and sober, maybe four, right? Because you know that it's going to get heated. Um, definitely, again, as we've said before, don't put yourself in danger. If you know just simply getting near this person is going to cause a great big old fight, then we'll find some other means, right? It could be the fourth category here in a second. This might include a child who could be disappointed if a recovering process results in relapse. True. True. In this third category, um, if you go to make amends to young adult children, teenagers, what have you, and you do all that apologizing and trying to restore, only to a year or so down the road relapse again, it seems like teenagers seem to take it the hardest, right? So be mindful of that too. The last fourth in the fourth category should separate out anyone to whom it is impossible to make amends to, such as a person who has since passed away, right? The guiding principle of this step is to make full amends at the earliest opportunity, as long as such action is feasible, as long as it's proper and will not cause additional harm. There we go. We don't want to cause additional harm. Making amends must involve sincere efforts. Mm, come on now. Be sincere when you go do this. And I would try not to use I'm sorry too much because people have heard you probably apologize a thousand times and it's just sort of lost its weight. Right? Make amends. Making amends must involve a sincere effort to apologize, right? The notion of being sincere involves adapting the right attitude before making an approach. Adapting the right attitude. Be mindful that these people may get sideways, right? If they're still angry with you. You have to push through what you're thinking and feeling in those moments, can't allow them to dictate what your change or shift in mood is going to be. You're there to do one thing, right? A recovering person in the program 
is encouraged to forgive himself or herself and to forgive the person on the list for any actions done in retaliation. People have hurt you too, right? I mean, it's a vicious cycle. Hurt people hurt people. That's just what happens, right? So be mindful of that too. If they're still hurting, they may respond as someone who is still hurting when you go to make those amends. Keep that in mind. So yeah, for sure. Keep that in mind. Making amends must involve sincere efforts to apologize. You don't want to sound like you're faking it, right? <clears throat> that won't get you anywhere. But the notion of being sincere involves adopting the right attitude before making an approach. A recovering alcoholic in the program is encouraged to forgive himself or herself and to forgive the person on the list for any actions they've done in retaliation, right? Had to repeat that because it's important. Important. Step nine should be pursued according to a plan that does not, does not assign blame and allows the person who has been harmed the freedom to respond, right? You got to. These people we've hurt. Right, And now you're coming to them maybe for the first time with a clear head where they feel like what they're going to say might actually matter. So you got to let them vent that. Right? You don't have to listen to verbal abuse. That's not what this means. But if this is the first opportunity that a friend or family member has had to explain to you how they're hurting and how frustrated and angry they have been, you owe them that. You owe them that, right? Again, maybe this is the first clear-headed moment that you've had, and this feels like the first opportunity that they've had, right? Don't let their response anger you, right? Don't let it happen. This person who has been harmed gives them the freedom to respond, even if the response is angry and unforgiving. You hold it together. Don't allow yourself to become angry. A recovering person who successfully completes step nine can find the process has built a bridge to new relationships with friends and loved ones. That's the goal. It can also help to remove the guilt and shame of a past action or actions that can act as a stumbling block to full recovery. Family members, this is where you come in. When your person in recovery comes to you to make these amends, please listen wholeheartedly. Yeah, sure, like I said a second ago, vent some of your hurts and concerns, right? Let them know how their actions have made you feel. We need to hear that, right? We need to hear that because we have to find the strength and muscle through it. That's part of our recovery. But I don't by any means suggest that you launch a full-on verbal attack on these people either, right? That, too, can be triggered. One of the things I teach 
is relapse can happen way before you pick up. You don't want to be the first, right? Not that it's on you, not that it's your fault, but if they internalize this verbal abuse as whatever, right, as abuse, and it's something they feel like you've done always, right? I know it's a little extreme. We tend to catastrophize things, right? You could be the first little nudge back out. And it could be a week or months or even a year after y'all's interaction, right? So just be respectful of each other is the thing, right? Be respectful of each other. It can also help to remove the guilt and shame. That's the goal. That's what we want to do. Step nine is another one of the 12 steps that initially appears most difficult. But the rewards of putting this principle into practice can just be illuminating, right? And be so proud feeling for everyone. The spiritual principle involved in this step, right, is one of forgiveness. Not only from others, but forgiveness of self. You got to, got to, got to be able to forgive yourself, right? Which that can bring healing to both parties. But keep in mind that healing is going through the stress, right? The healing is going through the stress, the rocky times. I think I heard it like uh, this. You guys know, (coughs) remember, I'm a faith guy. I do believe in God. So the point I heard was um, about someone asking God, right? Why? Why in the midst of this storm would I be going through rough sea? An ocean of such big waves and turbulence and trouble. Right? Why am I here in the stormy sea, God? Why? And God simply replies, because your enemy can't swim. Right? It's all in perspective. We're going through the storm. Nobody's ever just simply stayed in a storm. Right? Unfortunately, I hate when people go through divorces, but they come and go. Bad relationships, right? If you work hard, you will either get through it or you're going to just simply get through it, right? And and, and leave each other. But it, it ends. It comes to an end. Hopefully, not a bad troubling end, right? So, be mindful of those kinds of things, right? We draw strength from it. The early stages of recovery are mentally and emotionally exhausting. It takes a lot of energy for a person to face themselves, right? It takes a lot of energy to face yourself, right? It makes changes in their perspective. Facing yourself changes the way you see things. Spiritual strength can lift a person through the difficult parts so that they can keep moving forward. Meditation is a big deal. You may need to do a lot of prayer or meditation type stuff um, in the process of working this step. Meditation is one uh, method for keeping spirituality at the forefront of a person's mind. It can take just a few short sessions a day to simply meditative, do meditative focus to renew a person's strength and recovery. Meditation can be done in a still quiet space or while doing something active like practicing yoga or walking, right? And it could be anything. Do you like music? 
Some people just play soft, easy listening music. We should also be humble. Humility grounds us and opens our hearts to become rawer and more vulnerable to others. Families, I hope you're hearing me. When we get to this point, we're really going to try to open up probably more wholeheartedly than we ever have to anyone and make ourselves become more vulnerable, right? And that's not the time. Oh, man, that is not the time to become abusive. I know alcoholics and addicts, uh, people that get off their mental health mental health medications, and maybe they're in mental health relapse or have some sort of compulsive behavior, gambling, what have you. Maybe it's frustrated, even made you angry many, 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 many times. But when we open up ourselves like this, that's not the time. Right? Self-responsibility, appreciation, and respect become fluid when humility is practiced because we've been able to gain a new perspective on ourselves and others. Right? Here's a little blurb from uh, the 12 Step, 12 Traditions book um, I've made one reference to before. The readiness to take the full consequences of our past actions and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time is the very spirit of Step 9. Maybe that's where that concept of facing full consequences comes from, right? That could be it right there. Hopefully at this point in our step work, if you've done, if you're working on the 12 steps, any listeners, AA, NA guys, CR guys, if you're listening, hey, hopefully at this point, who may be trudging along that road to happy destiny, you're looking forward to a happier Somewhat easier life because still got life on life's terms um, to deal with, right? But we've reached a point where we must repair what we left behind in our crazy path of shattered relationships. As active addicts or those dealing with mental health or bad mental health episode, we've likely lied, cheated, or stole in order to get our drug of choice, right? Or use our drug of choice or use our person of choice or create some time frame to use a a behavior of choice that was unbecoming. But because addiction and compulsive behavior creates absolute moral wreckage, we have to really put forth a good effort in working this step. Step nine is the perfect time to let go of the horrible way we feel about our past and to radically repair relationships. In my experiences, walking around with the weight of amends that need to be taken care of really sucks. More importantly, living with the leftover guilt and shame from past wrongdoings prevents us from moving forward and puts us at risk for using again, whether it's drugs or people. 
not only um, not only have my wife and I shared some of our trash with each other, but we've also shared in it with each other in the rooms of Celebrate Recovery, right? We've shared in a room full of people. We've shared with each other, right? In doing Celebrate Recovery, we have shared our testimonies in front of dozens of people. We've shared on the news. We've even shared in the live talk radio show. We are an open book, and we have both talked about how feeling is, it is, how good the feeling is to have let go of the baggage. And when I mean sharing, there was a time frame, it was like almost the second year of our marriage, we separated for seven months. And in that seven months, we both had rebound relationships, right? When we first got back together, we spoke of those. We discussed those two people and vowed to not ever talk about it again. Right? So the only time that we've ever heard about them again is in a testimony sort of scenario. Or if we're in a scenario where we are sharing parts of our lives and we want to discuss the restoration. Those are the only times these people are brought up. You've probably already discovered that by staying clean and sober or working on your behaviors and mental health and working the 12 steps, that things are getting better. Hopefully for you, they'll be getting better. That's because we are getting better. You are getting better. Becoming a better person means that we are less willing to engage in destructive behaviors, mostly because we are aware of how much they cost us, right? Mostly of how much we're aware they cost stress in our family relationships, in our friend relationships. It's just misery. The self-centeredness is replaced by an awareness of other people. And instead of being <coughs> indifferent, we begin to care. We begin to care. Right? I mentioned earlier some things about um, amends and restoration. There's three types of amends. Direct amends, taking personal responsibility for your actions and confronting the person who you would like to reconcile with. Indirect amends, finding ways to repair damage that cannot be uh, reversed or undone by doing things like volunteering or helping others. And then there's living amends, of course. That has to do with people who passed away, right, Um, or just not around for whatever reason. Um, You show others as well as yourself that you have made genuine lifestyle change and are making a commitment to yourself and those that you've hurt that you will or have discarded your previous destructive behaviors, right? That part of the immense process whereby we change ourselves has an effect on everyone around us and goes along with um, after we've spoken directly to people that we can. Restoration. Resolution. Right? Restoration means bringing something back to its form, its normal form or state, 
usually things that have been damaged can, that can happen to you. This can mean restoring a reputation or even restoring trust in a relationship. Resolution as recovering addicts and alcoholics um, and people with compulsive behaviors means likely have past experiences that plague us or disturb us in some way. Finding a resolution to these problems means coming up with answers and solutions and laying them out to rest. Just work on it. Restitution, as it relates to the ninth step, is the act of returning something or um, material or abstract, something not real, to its rightful owner. Right? Restoration is what we're looking for. By the time you get through with step nine, that's what you want. Make a direct amends, an indirect amends, a living amends, however it has to work out, except when to do so would harm yourself or others, right? And by that, you're probably asking, what does that mean? Well, let's say, <coughs> um, I don't know, five years ago, you had an affair with some woman, okay? You lost contact, and in that five years, you both have gotten clean and sober. Maybe she's straight on her mental health medications, or you are, or whatever. But things have been restored, and you see that this couple is the happiest they've ever been, right? Things are really, really, really good for this couple now. They've put that kind of thing behind them, and have moved on. You don't want to go to the husband and tell him, hey, five years ago, your wife and I had an affair, and I would like to apologize. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right? You don't want to make the situation worse. You can't move in on someone's marriage that seemingly appears to be completely restored and they're happy. Only to throw this super delayed wrench in the, in the thing. Right? Except when it do so, would harm you or others. Thanks for listening. Um, appreciate your time again. All right, I hope you got something out of step nine. I know it's a little long and it can be a little tough at times. So good luck with it if that's where you're at. Hopefully you, you can find some restoration. And until next time, be blessed.